Real style is about much more than fashion. Real style starts with being comfortable in your own skin. Let's take a journey inside style with your host, style expert, George Worrell. Welcome to Inside Style, dcradio.gov 96.3 HD4. I'm your host, George Worrell. And today I have the pleasure of talking to and introducing to my wonderful audience, public relations expert, Ramon Bain. Ramon, welcome. I have wanted to talk to you for years, like on a person-to-person basis. We would meet or not meet, but run into each other, you know, throughout town over the years. And you were always so polite and so lovely and so well-dressed. I count this as an honor to be able to sit down and talk to you. Thank you for agreeing to come. How are you today? Oh, I am humbled, first of all, and thank you. I'm good, and I'm I'm happy to be here. Oh, my God, and you look amazing, so I'm glad we're taping so the audience can see how fabulous you look. Oh, well, I'm blushing now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy to have you here. I, um... We were. I was privileged enough yesterday. We had this wonderful, wonderful discussion. It was, fun. It was so fun, and um, learned more about you. I did not know that you were a Southern lady by yep. birth. Augusta, Georgia. Wow. Yeah. How was that growing up in Augusta? It was cool. You know, I, we had a village, you know, you've heard so much about it takes a village and I grew up in a village, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. and that was the only sad thing about desegregation. Mm -hmm. It was good, but it was bad. Mm -hmm. It, it kind of tore up the little village Mm -hmm. atmosphere because when you, when we went to the, um, theaters or we went to the fairs, we knew everybody. Okay. You know, (laughs) when we went to certain things within the community, everybody knew everybody. Mm -hmm. But when desegregation came and your teachers were um, transferred to another school and you couldn't go to those things that were familiar with you, even the Girl Scout, Mm and brownie uh, meetings had changed and we had to go way over uh, across town or mm-hmm. it it was a little difficult at first okay but change always is yeah and i'm happy for the change <laughs> because without it without it we probably wouldn't oh, be sitting yeah. here no we wouldn't have yeah been. yeah how did you enjoy going to spellman oh i loved it I loved it. It was an opportunity to um, have such great friendships, many of whom we're still friends. Mm -hmm. The classes were small. I I transferred to Spelman from University of Rochester. I started out being pre-med. And at the time, University of Rochester was one of the premier schools for pre-med. And then you went on to the medical school there. And um, I became political. Mm -hmm. Being a Southern girl, I became so uh, political that I changed my major mm-hmm. and went into law rather than uh, medicine. Mm-hmm. But um, in transferring to Spelman, it was a whole different experience because the classes were smaller. Small. Okay. The teachers knew you. Mm-hmm. You weren't a number. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, my Delta Saras <laughs> and I, you know, bonded and had a great time. And it was there. My first day, you would not believe this, my first day walking into the political science chairman's office, her name was Dr. Lois Moreland. She says, oh, my goodness, it's so nice meeting you. I see this silver star over your head. I want you to meet my friend. And I said, who is your friend? She says, Jimmy Carter. And I said, and he is who? <laughs> she says, well, he's the former governor. And I said, okay, former governor of... She says, Georgia. <laughs> and he's, and I said, well, why do you want me to meet him? And she says, well, he's running for president. And I said, president of what? <laughs> and she said, the United States. She says, then I'm going to call my friend Dot Pageant, and I'm going to have you go over there. Well, she did. And I became one of 10 who was on his campaign, traveled into 32 states with Jimmy Carter while I was in school. And the president of Spelman was Dr. Albert Manley at that time. Mm -hmm. And he and, and Dr. Moreland and others said, now, as a political science major, what better experience can she have running, going across, not running, but traveling across the country with a presidential candidate? Mm -hmm. So I was able to take my exams on the road with me, and um, it was just a fabulous experience. And at that time, I don't think we've had such a stellar group. It was Mo Udall and Scoop Jackson and Hubert Humphrey and Julian mm. Bond. All of them were running for president at that time. Mm -hmm. And to sit there and listen to the debates Bates. and to be around and, and to fraternize with them and their staff was an experience that I don't think I'll ever forget. Mm. And so I moved up here with him uh, when I graduated. Mm -hmm. He'd won and I'd planned on going straight to law school and, and everyone in the campaign said, wait just a minute, we just had a historic win and you mean you're not coming to Washington with us? And I said, well, let me think about it. And my mother says, no, you're going to law school. That's when mothers could <laughs> tell you what to do then. <laughs> they can't now, <laughs> you know, your mother tried to dictate. Now it's right. like you call Oprah. Right. <laughs> you know, but at the time you know, you what mothers and fathers and grandparents Same. had to say, it was... Um, Heard a lot of weight. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I moved up uh, here and I worked at the White House. Um, and I don't think I could ever have a better experience in seeing just how government works and the politics of and, and the backdoor negotiations mm -hmm. and all of the goings on here in the district. And I've been here... Ever since. Mm. How did you get associated with the uh, the mayor for life, Marion Barry? That's a wonderful story. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you. Um, see Dolores Tucker. Not many people remember her. I do. But Dolores Tucker was a very fabulous civil rights leader and was the first secretary of state in the state of Pennsylvania. Well, she and Marion Barry were very close. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was a mentor of mine. She took me to an event and he was there and she says, look, she's moved here with Jimmy Carter and I want you to look out for her and I'm going to hold you to it. And anything she needs, you're going to give it to her. And, and if 
she needs money, you do it and I'll pay you back. It was like one of those conversations. And over the years, we, you know, kept in touch. He was council member then. Mm -hmm. And we really became close when I began working for Hector Macho Camacho. Um, That was my first client. I'm skipping all ahead many years. And he introduced me. He says, I want you to meet uh, one of my best friends. And I said, who is that? He says, Cora Masters. She is the chairman of the Boxing Commission. Mm -hmm. She will be able to tell you what to say and do when you go to that first meeting with Hector Camacho and Don King. He drove me over to Cora's house, and we became friends from that day forward. Mm -hmm. And... um, Over the years, you know, as I grew in my profession um, and he sat back and he was very proud of that. And he involved me in many of his projects. And, of course, I was his press secretary when he ran for mayor, the Mm -hmm. fourth uh, unprecedented fourth time. Mm -hmm. But he, Cora, and I were friends. And he watched me grow, and he gave me a lot of advice. He was always there. And um, when I think about the fact that he has the title mayor for life, I can understand and why? Because he gave anybody who wanted a job could get it. I have been in grocery stores with him where people would be short in money and he'd take out $20 and give them to him. I mean, it, the experiences that I had with both he and Cora mm-hmm. are lasting. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, pure friendship. And I miss Marion because I would pick up the phone sometimes and call and get his advice on certain things. How would you handle this? Even though it's sports, even though it's entertainment, even though it has nothing to do with government, he was a shrewd strategist. He was brilliant, and I would call him up quite often, even during Michael Jackson's trial. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he'd pick up the phone, Ramon, tell Michael, don't do that. Don't look like that. When he, when he walks into court, don't do that. Or tell him, no, no, I didn't like that. What he had on, no, he, you know, he's got to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. He would pick up the phone and give me little things mm-hmm. to share with Michael Jackson about um, the court and how he should. Perceived, be perceived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, cool. And I mean, we we were just, uh, he was my mentor and friend. So how do you and what you do um, decide when you go into your closet what you're going to wear that day? Well, it's different now. I and mean, we were talking about that. Mm-hmm. Years ago, I would be stressed. You know, I remember when uh, during Michael's trial, mm-hmm. I was on Larry King almost every night to discuss his trial. And for some of our viewers who may not know, what was your position? What was your job? What were you doing? Uh, for Michael Jackson, I was his general manager and spokesperson. I began as a publicist, then became the uh, spokesperson, and then became uh, the general manager. Okay. But during that time, I was on Larry King almost every night uh, to discuss the trial uh, or every other night. Oh, my God, when I would put on anything. Ramon, what was that you had on? Those earrings were too long. What color was that? Well, why did you have your hair like that? Well, why is your hair too blonde? I mean, I was so stressed. And now I see, you don't you don't wear that on CNN. You don't wear that on Larry King. And now I look up the earrings all the way down to the hips. 
The dresses are cut down all the way to the breast. The hair is purple and 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 yellow and orange, if there is any hair. And I mean, at that time, it was so stressful. You know, you structured and structured. It was like, oh my gosh. Will y'all leave me alone? I can't. I'm, I can't focus on what it is I need to say because y'all are telling me my earrings are too big and my lipstick is too bright. But you were comfortable, right? And I was no, no not at saying, that time. But were you comfortable with what you chose? Well, had I was they com- not told you? Well, I was comfortable with what I chose because there were a whole bunch of stylists around. Michael Jackson had stylists, and you know other people that were around. CNN had stylists and. <laughs> makeup artists. And it was like, oh, some people would say, oh, you look great. And then I would get calls from my friends. Oh, don't you ever wear that again on his show. Oh, no, don't you ever. That hair is too blonde. Oh, no. So it was it was a bit more stressful as I have as things have evolved. Mm -hmm. It's less stressful and you can be you. You can decide that what you feel comfortable in. But I tell you, though, that was almost 20 years ago because Michael Jackson has been dead 14. Mm -hmm. But I remember when he when I became his general manager and he met with me and he says, well, well, now you know, you're my general manager and that's going to be a certain kind of image you're going to have to protect. So from now on, you're going to have to wear St. John or Chanel. And I said, excuse me. (laughs) I'm like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? He said, yes, I I think that would be more appropriate for that uh, position. And I'm like, was that? a suggestion or was that an order, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and as I'm saying, 20, 21 years ago, uh, that was the way, you know, when people on that level, uh, hired you for something, they had a right to tell you, you know, well, this is what I want your style to be. If you're going to travel with me, this is what, uh huh. This mm-hmm. is how I want you to look. Now it's different. Um, the clients that I represent, they are even evolving. When I look at them and I see them in their videos or on stage performing, much more relaxed than, you know, paying the stylist thousands of dollars a day and to travel with you and to pay the makeup artist thousands of dollars a day to travel with you. Some of them are not even worrying about, Mm -hmm. you know, the makeup and the styles. So things are different. Mm -hmm. And I think Uh, less stressful and people are enjoying what they're doing more because I think I would have enjoyed being on CNN every night more if I didn't have a whole choir, you know, telling me (laughs) what's wrong. Tell me what's right. Okay. Am I ever looking good? (laughs) You know, am I ever coming out there? But you're coming for many. D.C. has always been very conservative Mm -hmm. and people are coming from a mindset. You know, everybody's a stylist. 
Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Our friends and all the mm-hmm. other kind of stuff and mm-hmm. trying to find that medium. And it's, DC has become far more relaxed in God. its style. And we were talking about that yesterday because I remember years ago driving down K Street and you would see women with their expensive suits on, but they would have socks on with the stockings and sneakers. To get on the that was the look. Everybody you saw on K Street was wearing <laughs> opaques or uh, nylons with white socks and running shoes, you know. And I'm like, oh, my God, have they looked in the mirror? I was even being critical. And that was the picture that most people in this country had of us. You know, they don't have any style. But now we've evolved. Mm. We've evolved even with um, the way by which uh, we are our brand is different. We have now, as we were saying, we had the Capitol Files and the uh, Washington Life and and the city paper style and the Washingtonian style and the Georgetown style. And we even had in our African-American papers fashion and style. So Washington over the years transcended. And I mean, I want to applaud, you know, the director here. Um, Latoya Foster for and Angie Gates and Mayor Bowser for making fashion and creative thinking and, and creative incentives the way of D.C. Um, the mayor said, you know, we are known around the world as being the political capital of the world, but we are now the creative capital of the world. And I've been, you know, blessed to work with 202 Creates for the last, you know, seven years where they pay tribute to the $2 billion creative community, fashion, mm. culinary, art, artist, you know, sports, entertainment, music, performances. And and we have a vibrant creative community here. And we always have been. Like I'm from New Jersey mm-hmm. and when I would come down uh for Memorial Day weekend festivities, that's where I got introduced to Go Go. And you can oh, no hear question. Go- <laughs> oh, anywhere. No question. Like, I used to Chuck come to Rare Brown, Essence the king and, yeah. of, of Go-Go, which is now our native music. Mm-hmm. And, and let's just think, we had, what, Duke Ellington, Marvin Gaye, mm-hmm. Roberta Flack. Flack. U Street was the cultural and entertainment hub mm-hmm. for music, all brands of it. So Washington, D.C., I think our mayor has done a fabulous job in separating the political from who we are in our community. Mm-hmm. And we now have a brand, and it's a fabulous one. And um, I'm just looking forward to seeing what else is going to <laughs> evolve, you know, because uh, right here where we are, OCTFME has won four Emmys. Mm-hmm. Four. I mean, what government agency have you heard of having produced and developed product 
that wins Emmys. Emmys. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just see so many other opportunities and so many things happening here, including fashion. We now have Fashion Week. I went to, during Art All Night, Mm -hmm. I went to a fabulous fashion show over at the Hyatt up on Capitol Hill. Mm -hmm. And so we are evolving and that's fun to see. Mm-hmm. And I hope more people move to D.C., those who are not just interested in working in government, but those who want to come and experience D.C., our food, our culture. Well, just that you just said. Now we're becoming a foodie town. Yeah. Like every, like the world. How many Michelin stars do we have? I mean, we <laughs> almost have as many as New York. Yeah, I mean, but... We are the nation's capital. My my friend Freddie Booker, who's going to be on next week, uh, she's a gallerist. And we were talking about nothing in this country starts until it starts here. It starts here and then goes every place else. We're the center of everything. And we've just not had the acknowledgement. You know, everybody's like, oh, fashion and stuff is New York or it's Miami or it's London. It's always been here. Yeah. People, I think politics well, is overshadowed. Well, I'm not sure always. It. Well, we but... had, they, they had their own style, even if it was St. John's and Chanel. And if you look back to asymmetrical, like mm-hmm. I remember coming down here, those girls that had their, their asymmetrical was Well, that's hot. true. That's true. You didn't see that any place else. That's and it true. was stylish. That's so, true. So um, I do think there was a level, just politics overshadowed it, you know. It yeah. just, you know. But, um what are you doing? What's what's keeping you busy these days? Well, still the various clients and, mm-hmm. you know, evolving along with them. And, you know, we have a whole new group of artists who are out here. Mm-hmm. The Internet is driving a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes many of the younger artists are getting caught up into what people are saying about them on the Internet. And sometimes it takes, you know, people like me to say, shut it down for a second. You know, mm-hmm. you're not too fat. You're not too thin. You're not too ugly. You're not too pretty. You're not too this or that. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to exhale, so to speak. And, you know, sometimes with the um, individuals who have come to me for people, PR in in promotions or marketing or branding or crisis, you know, you've got to sometimes pull yourself away from that, Mm -hmm. you know, and as we said, be you, be you. And um, I'm still doing my thing. So in the crisis mode, when somebody comes to you in crisis, how do you do you examine the whole piece? Do you say what without giving away? You know, what is your process in thinking like, I'm like, Ramon, I'm in trouble. Like, how do I and your expertise from, you know, years, how do you kind of make that person feel like we, we got this? There are two things I think about. Um, many years ago, I went up to Chicago with uh, Babyface. We sat with John Johnson, who owned Johnson's Publishing, Ebony Jet, Johnson Products, some of them. And um, he and his um, right-hand person, Sylvia Flanagan, said to us, you plan for war in time of peace. And I didn't realize what that meant. You plan for war in time of peace. Then... Quoting Marion Barry again, he says, Ramon, let me just tell you something. 
no matter who comes and sits down with you. It's my side, it's your side, and then it's the truth. So in trying to analyze and come up with a strategic plan, you've got to get to the bottom of what is the truth. You can talk to the person who's sitting in front of you, but you have to do your due diligence. And that's what I do. I will talk to, you know, maybe some of the relatives or the lawyers or, you know, some of the people that are around just to find out what their perspective is, because the client is still the client and I have to follow the guidelines of the client. But in order to mitigate damages and come up with a plan that's workable and successful, you have to know as much of the truth as you can. And the person who's sitting in front of you, nine times out of 10, is not going to tell you everything. It's going to come out in dribbles after you've put the plan in action. Oh, well, I forgot to tell you this. <laughs> so then you got to go back to the drawing board because when, you, when you're putting a strategy together, you take into consideration everything you've heard, everything you know, everything you've read. And, and that's what I do. And my team that works with me, they said, God, you absolutely unequivocally take months to research the individual. Yeah, I do. I want to know everything. I want to know everything about the music, about the style, about the thinking, about the philosophy. Because if you don't, you can get kind of caught up into some of what they believe. People can think you believe that too. And you've got to separate yourself from what it is they're thinking and doing versus what you believe. Sometimes I turn people down because I am not of the same mindset. I'm not of the same culture. And that's not a reflection on them or to say that I don't think they're they're awesome. Mm-hmm. But you've got to tailor. I, I have colleagues who just take anybody, you know, it's like I'm gonna build up my I'm gonna build up my clientele, I'm gonna mm-hmm. build up my base, and I, you know, I've gotta show that I'm still relevant and I've gotta get these people, but mm-hmm. I, I can't be sitting somewhere where they're shooting in the front of the studio and I got to run out of the back door. I can't do that. I don't care what the money, I don't care who the individual is. I can't, I can't put myself in that position. I have colleagues who don't, it's just like that comes with the territory. Not for me, you know, and I don't knock them. Mm-hmm. But I have to pick and choose as to who I am more tailored to represent because you've got to have some synergy. Well, thank you so much, Ramon Bain. We could sit here like we did yesterday because we talked about three hours on the did phone. Did we? <laughs> I was, I was, I was on, I was on my laptop, you know, yeah, just twiddling away. My dogs looking at me like, uh, "We going out?" I'm like, Give "Oh, me mine were in the back, just." Barking. Barking. They were hungry. It's like, you know what time it is, but I enjoyed the conversation and you are a trailblazer and you've done so many good things and you've created so many different looks and you've handled mm-hmm. so many styles for so many change agents and Thank you our so much. 
um, movers and shakers. So congratulations to you. You're Thank here you. and yeah. congratulations on your station and you. I mean on your show so, rather. And uh, I look forward to speaking yeah, to you again. Oh, oh yeah, we're 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 like this now. Yes. That, you're coming over for chicken wings now. <laughs> <laughs> we have been talking to the wonderful, wonderful, iconic. Ramon Bain, uh, you're on social media, uh, I Instagram? I am on or? Instagram and I am on Twitter. Wonderful. Ramon Bain, yes. uh, we will not see uh, the likes of you. I think that um, what you're giving us is groundbreaking and what you do for the stars and the wonderful movers and shakers of this country and this world is phenomenal. We, I bow to you. Oh, wow. Well, I hope we do see more of me. (laughs) You know, because that's another story. You know, when I started out, it was very few of us, and it still is. And, you know, I encourage people who are change agents and who are celebrities to entrust people who are African-American and women and I t- and I want to thank all of those who have entrusted me to handle their business because many years ago that was not, uh, not yeah. seen. seen and and there were challenges but I want to thank everybody who entrusted me uh, for taking that step and repping them and it was very difficult for them I know. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole nother story. That's another story. Yeah, I want you to come back on. But thank you so much for tuning in to Inside Style, DC Radio 96.3 HD4. I'm George Rorell. And remember, real style starts with being comfortable in your own skin. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Inside Style with style expert George Worrell. For more information, visit georgewarrellstyle.com or dcradio.gov.